so yeah man I've, that commuting and going down and working kind of manually staying in like focused on getting parts lists and seeing what to do next that's mentally exhausting isn't it <laughs> sleep good how far are you from a home depot uh lancaster it's, it's 25 minutes so you yeah. got to get it in rock hill and go down there gosh it's really impressive how dead this place is <laughs> and like thinking am i gonna am i really gonna sell this bitch is somebody gonna give me some money for this but the house around the corner got listed uh let me let me tell you the flowery words for the house around the corner that's two thousand square feet and on the on the main strip but it's just listed it stayed i don't know what the mls rules are but this place got listed two weeks before it even appeared on the MLS by the same people. I guess they were hoping to take a pocket listing or something, something like that. Y'all have MLS rules that you got to be in the MLS within X number of hours. Supposed to. Yeah. Like two days or a day after yeah. you get the thing signed. I'm sure that always happens. No. I thought that, uh, be gun today just checked in on him yeah he's how's he doing licking his chops off of some recent uh wins on the tax sale good for him good yeah um <laughs> so his sister got married do you know his sister i met her once i met her once at uh in richmond at an event Two twenty-five. So there it is. Is that right around the corner? Right around the corner on Dearborn, which is the main drag through there. So the flowery public remarks are beautiful home, a small town in USA. That's probably anti-something. With yeah. formal living and dining spaces, hardwood floors, and a front porch that was made for sitting. You'll, you'll see why this old soul has been a dearly loved over the years. Formerly, the manse. Does that mean anything to you? The manse. M-A-N-S-E. Formerly a manse for the neighboring Presbyterian church. The home has a spacious floor plan, room for guests. Concrete patio. Like, <laughs> like a cement pond. Uh, out back in fenced-in yard. Underneath the home, there are two storage areas. Roof, 10 years. Uh, check this out. Outdoor enthusiasts will love the area like Duke Energy's new $77 million Whitewater Center, Carolina Adventure World, Rocky Creek Sporting Clays, the Carolina Thread Hiking Trail, and Sky Drive Carolina, Sky Dive Carolina, the third largest of its kind in the country. The third largest what of its country? The third largest what kind in the country? I mean, those are separate entities, all those things. The clays, the adventure world. Adventure world's where somebody bought some land and they ride ATVs around it. Yeah. Do you know what those are? Y'all have them? A manse? Or no. Adventure, adventure world. <laughs> uh, no, we don't have one. 
So it's bigger, but though. If I mean, if I make some money of this, I'll try to keep. I already, I think I, I might have told you I'd like to keep something else going. I told you today. I remember now. So anyway, I don't know if anybody will give me any money for it. I think if I get 150 for it, all done up, I'd be happy. Heck yeah. I mean, it'll be 1,400 square feet. But anyway, it's moving along, slow, creep, creeping along. I'd say in a couple, we got some sheetrock delivered, and you know, in a couple weeks, it'll look like something. Are you doing better. that? Tax, are you doing that in tax-free entity? No, I don't have any. No. So you were in the trenches as well. Yeah. Yeah, trying to get two, trying to finish two up at the same time for me is really difficult. Because of manpower or? Manpower, just the furnishings. I mean, my living room's full of, we've got boxes everywhere, man. Just everywhere. Just order stuff. Dialing it in, plugging up microwaves. and. Well, we got built, yeah, you know, just beds, put together beds, dressers. So you got like <laughs> uh, installation manuals strung everywhere. about? Yeah. And then, you know, laundry, I've got some, uh, a washer and dryer that I found at a house that I'm trying to get set back up. So I'm troubleshooting that. Meanwhile, on Facebook, looking for a deal on another set. And that's always a pain, you know, like, because people don't You're trying to scale deals. good deals on furnishings. Yeah. Which you can't do. No. Um, Rachel's like, like topped out, dude. In fact, we hired a bookkeeper this week which is um that'd be like us hiring a general contractor replacing me you know we're hiring somebody to replace her um do they live in america yeah they're here we met him in walter's network he's a go-getter he's kind of doing the 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 cfo the david richter thing um i don't know if you remember david richter was doing that that virtual bookkeeping uh virtual cfo thing and he's he's done I think pretty well with it, but he I think he wants to deal with people that are probably doing like maybe a maybe a mill in revenue a year, like that's kind of his his threshold, um, so he can get in there and do what he does. This guy's doing going to do the same thing, but he's he's dealing with some some people like us that are just starting out, you know, aren't doing a mill in revenue. Does um, he the CFO stand for um, chief financial officer? Like I think he does. Yeah, <clears throat> and he wants to be your. CFO or he's going to be, he is. Yeah. Okay. And he hires out to be the CFO for different organizations. Yeah. And when I say CF, CFO, I don't know what David Richter's doing, but this guy is going to be, you know, uh, reconciling our books, forming P and L's balance sheets, getting them to our, our inbox once a month. And then just going over like what our lead loss might be, what our, what our dog properties are, wh where we're making money. Okay. Uh, just kind of because right now, I mean, we're just trying to get it all collected into the CPA's hands, and it's like, yeah, that's next level in my organization. Yeah, but we but, can't keep, we can't really keep up with that. Um, I mean, it's getting out of hand with the, with the sober livings and with the Airbnbs and other stuff. It's just there's just so much there's so much work, administrative work for her to do. The bookkeeping's yep. not really an option. So he charges eight hundred bucks a month, basically ten grand a year. He looked at our business, looked at how much revenue we were doing. You know, we've got five different entities. We've got the McDill building, that commercial building, 
We've got Fondren Furnished Rentals. We've got Fondren Recovery Homes. And then DMS is like the holding company that holds all the stuff that I buy and flip out of. Um, and then I got a little bit of like uh, contracting stuff that I do. So there's all these, you know, and I don't know, nine bank accounts, 12, 12 business cards, you know, Amex's, <laughs> Lowe's accounts. I mean, it's a cluster, dude. It's just, it's horrible, you know? And all I want to know is like, Rachel, can I have some money? Like, I got to go, I want to go do something. I need to go do something. Mm-hmm. So anyways. If this he thing costs ninety nine dollars on the internet. Where are we at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keeping things simple is a real art in life. I think. As a kid, I didn't have the same pressures, but uh, seemed a lot simpler then. Somehow we make it more complicated. So yeah, I wanted to. I get mad at the state i don't know if i've ranted about the state with you before but the whole state of south carolina or no the state the group of the ruling class of different geographic regions across time the conquering the conquering class that uh, expects a tribute yeah so this cat zeckendorf is it backwards or can you see it? It's, it's perfect. No, it just look, no, it's backwards, right? No, it's not backwards. <laughs> Why is it backwards to me? Can I figure that out? So he talked about New Orleans, right? And I've made parallels between uh, Singapore and New Orleans, just landmass size, their diverse population, their reliance on the port, their. I, New Orleans is isolated, you know, it used to be called Lille Nouveau-Orléans, but the Isle of New Orleans, it was isolated. And um, Singapore is a British colony for years and years. I don't, I don't know the lineage of their colonial past, but they, the British pulled out and I want to say post-war, and then it fell under, under Malaysian rule, and then they gained independence. Maybe mid late sixties, fifties, uh, early sixties. I'm not going to be exactly right, but they're just the the group of young Turks or upstarts. They took over and they just they just they were just beyond not knowing how they were going to progress, and they were just left with nothing. But they just took best practices and. One of the main ones, did we freeze up? One of the main ones was uh, uh, transparency, lack of corruption, mm-hmm. and becoming business friendly. That the transparency allowed them allowed foreign investment. They also set up a bond, which I mean, setting up a bond and investing for the future really has parallels in our lives. Like mm-hmm. we want somebody to fund a role. Like we think we're smart enough to to make money for ourselves. If we could only get enough velocity to some money to make a return, and countries are they're in the same boat, hmm. but that just caused me to have thoughts, just lateral thoughts about New Orleans and this cat Zeckendorf. He developed. I mean, he was a Manhattan guy. Zeckendorf probably a, a Jew, and New Orleans was not unfriendly to Jews. It was 
I mean, those Jewish the Jewish people build New Orleans in in various stages of its of its life. But he's got some scathing he's got some scathing words from the 1950s, and there's a few pages that. I'm a, I'd like to read and see if it sounds boring, see if I get stuck in the text, but uh, you buckled in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a bedtime story. Uh, mm. I'm fascinated. This is Bill Zeckendorf. He said, I'm fascinated by cities and how they grow and where they go, as by the men who make them go. It's the men, of course, who count for most, what they are, um, their city is. As a result, Yet what they are, their city is. As a result, there were some cities where, for quite different reasons, we could never seriously consider working. In Dallas and Houston, for instance, local business groups were so confident in the future of their communities, so well healed, so eager to invest locally that they felt they didn't need and certainly did not want any outside help. The city of New Orleans similarly frowned on our approach. But since this was a town that desperately needed redevelopment, what we had had here was a horse of another color. New Orleans has, by the grace of God, inherited more natural advantages than any other city on the continent. It lies at the base of a great waterway that runs like a spine through the nation. It has water, inexhaustible quantities of water, for all possible uses. It's a, it has a great harbor natural resources in the form of gas, oil, and sulfur, amazingly fertile soil, and plentiful labor. And yet, in the 1950s, it was obviously one of these sad cities where an informal alliance between a money clique and a venal political machine had kept the town in a comfortable for its rulers state. The economic and behind-the-scenes control of New Orleans was for the most part in the hands of old-time pre-Civil War landowners and families of entrenched capital, a great many living away from New Orleans as semi-expatriates. The major preoccupation of those establishment members in town seemed to be that of living from year to year for the next Mardi Gras. What success and prosperity came to New Orleans came not from the efforts of its elite, but from the bountiful accident of geography and strategic location. Closely held power of the establishment had loosened of late. New leaders have come forth to challenge the once unassailable powerhouse headed by the Whitney Bank. For instance, Louis Russo, a Cajun who fought his way up from poverty to prominence in banking and in oil, is now a leader in that town. He and others have joined hands to get things moving and have forced the old guard reluctantly to follow suit. But as as recently as five or six years ago, if you had taken a picture of New Orleans and compared it with one taken 40 years previously, you would have been hard put to find many differences. And in the mid and late 1950s, word to the members of the town's principal social bastions, the Boston Club, that a Zeckendorf was approaching their city, would automatically see them raising the drawbridge, standing to arms against the infidel. We were unable to buy property in meaningful, continuous lots. And as for Title I projects, we might as well have been, have been preaching racial, racial integration. Whenever I think of American cities, I always find myself comparing New Orleans, which had everything handed to it, and Houston, which made itself what it is. 
New Orleans had a 100-year head start over most U.S. cities. 70 years ago, Houston couldn't have been more than an overgrown village. True, Houston found oil, but so did New Orleans. It was the dynamic leaders in Houston who made their way, <clears throat> made their town the true top city on the Gulf Coast. And they weren't even on the coast. They were many miles inland in the hot flatlands. What Houston did was cut a canal to the Gulf to become a seaport. They, then they built the chemical center and later a space age technological center. Houston has now safely bypassed Galveston and undercut Beaumont, Port Arthur, and Orange, Texas, which once might have been rivals. And farther down the Gulf, New Orleans, for all its free gifts of nature, will not catch up to Houston in our lifetimes. In contrast to towns such as New Orleans, Pittsburgh, where a new Democratic mayor, David Lawrence, formed an alliance with all those deep-eyed Republicans to make a better town, is an example of a creative response to a challenge. What's more, Pittsburgh's mayor, major companies have resisted the enormous centripetal pull of New York and built new headquarters in Pittsburgh. Chicago, in spite of great troubles, has also kept its dynamism. Dynam dynam dynamism? That sounds great. Uh, Atlanta is another city where an enlightened and forceful local citizenry took responsibility for their own town. Robert Woodward of Coca-Cola and a great many other men were involved there. That's about what it says about New Orleans. So that's where, so it's just amazing how the the leadership influences business and the lack of investment, keeping change out specifically. He's talking about development of um, skyscrapers and different, and different uh, developments, but I think he's spot on. I think he's exactly spot on. So it's the political leader's fault just to not allow change. You got any immediate thoughts on it? I can't hear you all of a sudden. Did you mute me? I heard I heard you were waiting it out for the next Mardi Gras. <laughs> you, yeah. you, ex, you expat. <laughs> That's sad. Um, it really is. No. I, I, I never really ever thought, I mean, I don't even think in those terms, just like comparing cities, thinking about, you know, who had a head start, who had what resources. I mean, I've never, I just, it's never even crossed my mind. I'm not a city, I'm not a city a planner kind of thinking kind of guy. Um, it's interesting. It really is. I guess, I guess in, intuitively that we kind of already figure that. I mean, a city's just a, an aggregate, you know, a collective of a group of people. And, and the city just represents the people's thoughts and actions. You know, we, we are what we make. Uh, um, I guess I get too. I mean, just the power structure is not obvious, I guess. It's, it's a underbelly of people that make the winks and nods. Mm -hmm. for investment 
and then uh, Lee Kuan Yu, uh, Lee Kuan Yu. I mean, he just turns it. You know, he says, "Well, everything's open for discussion." Lee Kuan Yu, you, yeah, Lee Kuan Yu. Uh, he just says, "Let's blow it wide open. Nobody's corrupt. We're gonna we're gonna need some borrow some money from y'all." And that's the populace. He said, "We need to borrow some money, which means a bond." Yeah, and he invested wisely. And the main thing is business friendly. I mean, uh, the word that you hear is that Disney wanted to open up in New Orleans before he opened Disney? up in Orlando, but he he gave up. He threw his hands up. He says, "It's too too corrupt." Wow. Yeah. So I think all those old guard places, all those, um, I'm, I'm surprised he said that uh, Chicago was open to investment and, and keeping up with the times. What was and that it, When was that written? Feels like the 50s, doesn't it? He went broke too. I mean, he's not without, but he developed the property that the UN sits on that was a, that was a, um, where you, where you distilled and it, the meatpacking district. I mean, it was, it was just where they, the slaughterhouse area in New York, he redeveloped that to, to the, where the UN sits now. Wow. Like warehouses and meatpacking facility. 1970 was when this was. But I, I think that, I think in today's age, you might hear about it as tax incentives for develop for um, industry to come in. I mean, I think that's how cities do it. Mm-hmm. And the, and New Orleans tried. I mean, ten or post Katrina, fifteen, seventeen years ago, they came up with a parish wide thing to the sales crew to put the best foot forward. But uh, one of the big shipbuilding places, um, it's in Harvey, one of the big shipbuilding facilities. I think they finished out their government contracts with whatever destroyers they made. And then it's it's for sale in New Orleans. It's just, uh, I think it's a gamble. If you're going to do business in New Orleans, it's a gamble. I don't know. I think that I think that a place like Singapore almost has a leg up because of its like its sovereignty or almost its loneliness. Like it has to figure something out. That's exactly right. New Orleans is going to have its own. I mean, it's it's a part of Louisiana. It's going to have outside influence. It's going to have federal influence. You know, it's doing. You know, one the famous thing about like Louisiana that I I remember growing up is that they they wouldn't raise the drinking age. You know, because they wanted to keep it at 18. Well, all the roads just fell to shit because they weren't getting those federal dollars. And finally, they, they screamed, uncle, uncle, you know, we got to get that federal. So they raised it to 21. We were all SOL, you know, like, oh, man, now we got we to gotta wait a year, you know. Um, but that's always going to happen. There's always going to be, and without having just that sovereignty, of like, wait a minute, what do we want to do? Not what are these people going to do for us or to us? 
it's hopeless, man. It's always going to be penetrated by some some other motive, some other. Yeah. Um, I mean, because the government's always hiring, dude. The government's always there, ready to, to take you under their wing and you know buy your allegiance. No. Which causes you to concede and take government funds and exactly. contort yourself to what money interests want? I think eventually, because the government, I mean, like if you look at the roads in Louisiana, uh, I mean, that burden just couldn't get, they couldn't do it. You know, eventually they got to change. So Uncle Sam steps in and brings us back into the fold. It's just um, like a like a never-ending bad addiction <clears throat> is the pander for federal money, yeah, and not be not be sovereign and stuff. I mean, does any it, it needs investment, but it does need a lump sum of money to become viable for investment for mm -hmm. private dollars, and that's usually infrastructure. Of workforce, tax incentives, but it's just they got a gob, a gob of money blaming Katrina for their infrastructure dying and the and the rebuilding and big dump trucks being heavy on their on their street. But there's just not there's nothing to show for it. Mm. There's just <clears throat> you can't you can't party every night and get good grades not doing your homework can't watch tv every night and not do your homework and expect good grades yeah so it's just one of those vicious cycles this is gonna be a party town and even that seems to be drawn up that'd be cool if the new crowd doesn't party as much i think they drink less uh, they do. They do. They do more fentanyl, less drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's a it is it is a cool town, but I I never thought about kind of how much how many resources they had. I heard a speaker one time talk about this the United States, how lucky we were to have like to really have no enemies on this side on this hemisphere. Nothing's going on. We have two of the you know the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean. These two huge waterways we can traffic, and then to, to our north and south, we just got friendlies. All these resources. I mean, we laid it out. It was like you know, I don't know if you ever played the game Risk, but it was like whatever you do, don't try to hold Europe. You know, start in Australia and spread up. You know, but it was like you had all these enemies around you everywhere. Like people in Europe compared to who we are, like. We're so set, man. We have everything. Um, you know, safe borders, good shipping lanes, friendly neighbors. We control this whole, you know, North and South America. Um, but I hadn't thought about that, just like just different individual cities. And I definitely never thought about all the water around New Orleans being a benefit. It's like there's water for everything. Yeah, except <laughs> for yeah. Uh, but I guess I guess it. I mean, it is. It is at the base of the the biggest waterway. I mean, the shipping lane in the in the U.S. third largest river in the world. But um, I I'm, I didn't try to focus on it. I'm just saying the political will of the power structure makes or breaks over time. I mean, it's not overnight, but over time, just the mental the mental model of what 
how you're going to do business affects how industry and, and money comes to your city. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, the other thing I've been thinking about is passive housing. Um, you're talking about strong cities uh, and that crossed your radar, but passive housing, uh, if you look in it, they, um, it's almost energy, we thought net zero, that's what they're approaching, net zero energy, meaning um, just mad insulated, insulated house, taking taking the energy use as, a, as an envelope and looking at heat bridges, I mean, they're like super thick walls and considering the positioning of a house and, and having uh, super insulate, I think is the way to consider it, but even down to how a, a two by four connected to the, from the outside to the in, inside would be a heat bridge. So that plank touching the outside and inside could be an energy bridge to, to wick energy into and out of the structure. But they're getting crazy efficiency ratings. And I don't pretend to understand the global warming or climate change, but you can definitely reduce with some forethought and a little bit more investment you can create um, much less energy use for your own pocketbook, but just for humanity in general, if, you, if, you, if you're less reliant on fossil fuels to heat and cool your place. So it's kind of neat. I think uh, there's a ton of resources on it, mm -hmm. but it's out there. I'm just thinking about my next move after after this, if I go find a piece of land up in the hills a little bit. So, what do you want to do? Probably have some regular income that you don't have to stand on your head 60 hours a week to get at, to manage things properly, to exit. I think to liquidate out of New Orleans, stop giving all of it to the government. Yeah, but I'm saying, let's say that you were out of New Orleans right now. It's done. I mean, what's what's Shangri-La for you? What's the what's the promised land? I think like sixty I think acres outside in the middle of nowhere, with goats and children. something like that. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Something like that. How about you? I don't know, man. We, we got family here. We got my sisters that are both single moms. Um, and, you know, the universe has blessed us in Jackson. I mean, we're, we've, we've literally made chicken salad out of chicken shit, you know, like we've done it. Because um, we didn't have anything. I mean, you know, my background and Rachel's background, I mean, there wasn't, there was nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm well aware that the reason that's able to happen is because we live in a slop hole. You know, like nobody, like we got to be crazy to buy this stuff, and we're 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 just that that kind of crazy. We've done it. Um, but now we're we're here. We got some roots, and like just Rachel just went into to the Fondren area to grab some food. And she's like, Fondren's crazy. Somebody's playing at Doolin Hall, and I don't know what's going on. But every restaurant was filled. I mean, there's 30 restaurants up the road from us, and for for Jackson and for Mississippi, there's no other place like that. So it's like, 
all right, you know, we live in the last state, you know, the last city in the last state in the union. It's it's last and everything, but we live in the coolest part of it. Yeah. And we've yeah. got, we've got roots and we've got, um, but it's kind of like you in new Orleans. I just don't think we have that. Like no matter how bad the political spectrum is in new Orleans or whatever, you still have like the, the sea levels and the hurricanes that are bared down on you. And I think that it's the combination of those two things that are just like, this is untenable. Like I can't, I can't fight both. Whereas we have like, we have, we've got crap politics, but as far as environment, we're not dealing with too bad of, you know, it, it's not great, but it's, but it's not that it's not new Orleans bad. Like when a hurricane comes, I fear for other people. I'm not worried for ourselves. Um, so anyways, it's it's getting better. You know, we've got JX and Waters taken over by the by the feds and they're Oh doing, really? They took over? Oh yeah. Is that recent? It's been about a year. Mm-hmm. About a year. Yeah, but they're like, getting, no, so, you need water. <laughs> gotta have that, guys. You gotta have water. Yeah. Um and then and then lastly, you know, Rachel's parents are on the coast and my mom's in Hattiesburg. I mean, like they're at that age where we're not, if we leave, we probably won't ever spend time with them again. You know, we're near them now, so we don't want to do that. No, I think y'all got the ability to buy a plane ticket. I mean, that's kind of nice whenever you, whenever you muck your way out of your current situation, you're going to mm-hmm. get things kind of level the plane off after your ascent, you know, and reach cruising altitude. Yeah. You, know, you can get out of town for a minute. Not having kids makes it too that we don't have to worry about. School district, that's huge, man. Yeah, the safety yeah. of children. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, what are we going to do? So, um, I mean, there's times I get frustrated. I'd love to live in, in North Carolina. I'd love to live someplace where I enjoy hiking and getting out Montana or something. But and we might do that eventually. But right now, I here. think y'all are in the middle of eating the, eating the, you know, you just yell at taking on a lot that perceive I had the perception that y'all are just skiing over your ski you know skiing over your skis yeah leaning out into the future so I don't know if you're able to take some moments of solace and just one foot in front of the other but I can't believe it's fun but just trying to appreciate the moment have you had those moments in your life when you look back and you're like, wow, I cannot believe I did that? Or is that all you think about when you look up your efforts? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it already. I mean, it was it was you know, eight or nine years ago. I was spying on Walter Walford. He he commandeered my section at a restaurant and started right. doing deals, started doing Wally deals. And they they took my section and did they bought like two beers, you know, like, like 20 people and didn't tip me. And I was just sitting there getting this content like what are these guys talking about you know like yeah so it's bewildering to me i mean the butterfly effect of just one small event one small thing is just like turned into a whole lifestyle i mean i haven't had a job in five years now rachel hasn't either she's got an mba you know i'm saying like that was her life path was to get a great job and stick with it for 40 years she went to college for that i was saying she's like all right Get some Airbnbs, man. F it, you know. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> so, I mean, it blows my mind even today. And then just the potential. I mean, we were talking about. We, we met with Walter the other day. He had a little small group together, 
and we were talking about partnering up and I was like, I want to partner with somebody. I'd, I'd love to sell like a half portion off of one of these sober living houses so we could recapture some equity and give somebody some cash flow. But I just don't want to go through the trouble of a, of a dual tax return. He was like, just give me an option. Just give me an option to get. And I'm just like, you know, I knew that that would work, but I hadn't thought of it in so long. And I, and I, I don't know how to ink it up, but it's like, that stuff just blows my mind, you know, just like giving somebody an option or even a, maybe a, 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 a lease with the right to sublease or maybe who knows, but just figure it out. Like that blows my mind. Um, so it's not only my blown away by the past, but also like, that's why I'm in this business because we can do pretty much whatever we want to do. If your partners and your tenants want to do it, you know? Right. Yeah. And yeah. It's amazing. It's fine. It's even if it's not financial, like, uh, Every, you know, I don't have all the money in the world. At least I can figure out how to make how to make it and do it, and, and not be stuck to um, somebody's job. So, so that was cool. That was super cool. And what's Walter going to do now? Is he? Sounds like he's got some wind in his sails. I'm not sure if he's just kind of gaining, like going for just relevancy, or if he's actually hungry for something. I mean, I think it's kind of, I don't know. That dog can hunt, man. You know, he's going to sniff. He wants to do stuff. I don't know that he's, I don't know if he's legacy building or what, but he'd like to find lenders. He'd like to find partners. And I think he just, you know, he likes heading up the meeting. He likes being there. He likes heading it up. There's no doubt. That's about what I think. That. Yeah. There's no doubt. And that's cool because he does a great job at it. I mean, yeah, he's the maestro. Yeah. Right. That's a skill, man. I mean, that's, a I yeah, I don't even think oh. knows why it works for him. Um, is that cruise getting traction that Nardone cruise, uh, the Tanya Collins? Yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're going, I think they're all leaving right now to head out for it. I, what I really want to get into is I want to get I want to get a small a small mastermind going of people that are in real estate that are not just a um you know the FFN style cruise the TED Talk style cruise where everybody just kind of shows up and you've got different speakers it's cool it's great uh, but it 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 can get extremely uh, schizophrenic because there's a lot of different things going on you know a lot of different personalities a lot of different ideas and I miss the we're talking about this and people who are interested in this topic, let's come dive deep into it. Um, if you look around for like masterminds or even coaches, they're ridiculously expensive. I mean, it's like, you know, 20, 30 grand to be like the big, to be the Brandon Turners of the world or the collective genius. There's nothing just small. And I don't know why that is. Um, I guess it's because there's just not a lot of juice in the squeeze. You know, nobody wants to do it because it's not really a money-making endeavor. It's really not. But at the same time, like I, I need that. I want that. I, I had a little bit of it when Walter was doing things at the Love Shack, um, you know, catching those where people would just be talking about, hey, we're talking this weekend about growing small dollar IRAs. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. How to do it legally? How to do it safely? How to do it equitably? And it was it was amazing, you know, to get those juices flowing. Or we've been to some short-term rental masterminds. Those are really, really, really good. That kind of gets off the rails, though, because there's different branches to that tree. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There's true, there's true vacation rental, or there's just STR, like corporate rentals. And those two, those two animals are completely different. So it's like that doesn't really work. Um, I think when people have solved 
kind of solve that problem with the subgroups, the private coffee conversations within ARIA. Is it true? I mean, I don't know. We don't have we don't have a strong. That's that's why I'm so pumped about Walter's group. We don't have a strong Rio. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have anything going on here. Yeah. Um, and every, you know, Mississippi in our area is like we're behind everything twenty years. So I mean, like all this stuff is like 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 Airbnb. They could just started happening like pandemic time is when it blew up. Really, mm-hmm. everybody hadn't really even heard of. It. Whereas it was ten years. Y'all were y'all were y'all had outlawed it three times in New Orleans by the time we got <laughs> our first one. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like y'all had cycled through it over and over and over again. And we That's were just exactly like, right. we didn't even know how to spell it yet. Like yeah. Airbnb, what? Like, <laughs> so anyhow, um, is there any players that you'd like to get closer closer to in your city, or you need it. outside outside thoughts? Any when you listen to Bigger Pocket, Bigger Pocket seems like these outliers that are that have been identified like you we need to talk to you you're an outlier you've you've achieved it you're mm. you know you're above the mean so that's a and they they either got a message you're selling something so and you've achieved a certain status and you're on this and you're pumping something or you're just an outlier mm-hmm. that runs past the finish line just just yeah, I think I, I think I kind of understand what you're saying with this crew that you lean on. And are you talking about a mastermind with fresh ideas, or just uh, listen to you and care about you? Both, really, both. I just don't think there's a. I don't. I don't see enough of them. I, I see that for the smaller, for the smaller players, the people who might be doing like five to ten deals a year, or trying to get like five to twenty rentals, and kind of catch their own like, kind of kind of the small and mighty real estate investor. Like you read that only, book? You heard about it? Yeah, I've been listening to him, and I, I read it. Yeah, he, he appeared before the um, South Carolina thing. I, I think that was one of his. Coach Carson. That guy's from South Carolina. Anyway. Yeah. 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 But what was he talking about? Um, so you, you, well, kind of what you were talking about, like the the uh the bigger pockets thing is like it seems like everybody's solving to become Brandon Turner or everybody's solving to become Grant Cardone. It's like I never ever wanted to be Grant Cardone. I don't like I don't I, I like being able to work on a house, sell a house, live in a house, you know, hack a house, whatever. I'm looking for something different. Um, and I felt like that. Anyway, so so Carson's saying, "Hey, that's okay, you know, get ten free and clear rentals that are each rented for two thousand bucks a month. You know, now you've got if you half of that money is going to your pocket, you've got a really nice income in America if everything's paid for. Yeah, yeah. You know, you make one hundred fifty grand a year after taxes. Like, dude, that's you can you can do some stuff if you right. if you're financially responsible. So that's kind of his thing is be small and mighty. You know, not big and." I mean, because a lot of these guys that you see that might act like they're they're making a lot of money, it's big hat, no cattle, man. Like, I mean, they're just running around from deal to deal. They're interest rate sensitive. They're whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, I've got half of a percent in a hundred unit apartment complex or whatever. You know, they're just deal junkies. Um, so anyway, I think a, a lot of the traffic jam is people that are just drunk on hope. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's out there somewhere. I mean, guilty as charged. You know, just. 
what are they doing? Like, uh, I guess they call it FOMO. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there's somebody out there who'll take your money real quick. And yeah. they're, they're phone calls away. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. The guy that did click funnels, I heard him talking about, said, people really want you to talk shit about their enemies with them. And yeah, <laughs> that's a big, if you can, if you can ally yourself i mean this is like mm -hmm. human psychology like yeah people really want you to agree with them and then help them talk shit about their enemy that's yeah if you can if you can hack a storyline they'll pay for your click funnels they're like jeez <laughs> like giving a shit and i was who you choose i mean really uh there's a I don't know what author said it, but uh, all professions are the enemy of the laity. The laity being the common man. Hmm. And, and I mean, marketers just, it's just bleh. And when I think about a, a realtor, somebody help you sell your house. What What's their goal? Are you a production number? And I think you could solve a lot of problems if you really care about somebody. If your yeah. technical acumen isn't 100%, average intelligence, but you really have a vested interest in somebody coming out okay. I think that's the X factor. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, that was a tangent of something, but... Yeah, your problem and what you're after with with your in, investing goals. I mean, real estate investing. I mean, it just it gets boring. I mean, it just trying to be efficient. I think of just wanted to be efficient with my time and get most of it. And I think that that's what people that kind of filter towards this uh, genre. I think that's really what they're after is to either get their, you know, get their spouse unhooked from a, a job or to be efficient with their time. And then I think you go through phases of like, well, who do I need to be? What role do I need to play to, to get there? I mean, I think a lot about what I want to do, you know, like, you know, cause, you know, 10 years ago when I was first kind of putting my toe in this, in this vast ocean of real estate, I had a really simple goal, man. It was a really simple goal. I mean, I, I had one house and I was renting rooms out to guys in the business, you know, restaurant guys, we were making money, wasn't a lot, but I was living for free. And then I bought another couple of houses from Jay, some tax lien properties. It was cool. Um, but, but I was like, man, if I'm making five or six grand a month and I got a place to come home to, like, I'd be good. Let's just do this. Can't pull and, up. and I got married, you know, <laughs> and she would have been happy with that same thing. But I just kept we just kept going. We just kept building. It's fine. It's cool. But it's kind of like, you know, get back to some kind of like, what's what's a what's a goal that I'm really shooting for rather than just more, just more, just what could be done. It, it, and so I think about like, what would I do if if I had the money I wanted to have? 
And for me, it's I like I like writing, I like reading, I like doing this, I like talking, I like talking to really smart people about engaging topics, whether it's you know Houston versus New Orleans from a 1970 perspective. I like I like that stuff. You know, my wife don't want to talk about it. She's back there watching, you know, call the housemaids or whatever. But like I like it. Um, and so it's you know my money is to to give me freedom or to give me access to people that are going to get me get my juices going. You know, it's not to have money. Um, it takes money, but that's not the end goal. So I don't know. That's kind of what I've been thinking. That's kind of, I like the content stuff. I like creating, I like writing, I like reading. I, I love, I love getting new ideas and trying new stuff. And I also think we live in an age where there's so much information out there, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or, cl or classes where you can find, you can find stuff out and try stuff. And that's super cool. Um, yeah, but I'm definitely not in the game for the sake of the game. Like, I mean, the game is to serve a standard of living for me. And I think for most of us. Um, hell, I was just talking to a guy today and he was like, my parents told me I just need to make a million dollars, get everything paid for, and then live on the interest. And I was like, what kind of interest are you trying to get? And he's like, if they said if I get 8 or 9% interest and everything's paid for, then I can pretty much do whatever I want. I can go find a passion job. I can go work at the Humane Society or I can give flying lessons or whatever, you know, but just a, a real basic job because I'll have a million bucks and I can live on the interest. And I just thought about like, he's not an investor. He's not a real estate guy. He's just a guy. But I just thought about like how like idyllic, how peaceful that sounded. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I'm just going to go make a mill, put it in this money market account, you know, like, I'm gonna go get a job walking, walking Labradors. You know, it's gonna be awesome. tax free. Yep, <laughs> oh, that's great. But to give English lessons to immigrants, it's gonna be so cool, dude. Like, it's gonna be chill, living off this interest. And I didn't say anything. I, I didn't want to be cynical, but I was like, yes, heck yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he's he's three hundred k there. He's forty years old. You know, and it's like go for it, dude. You're you know another 15 years <laughs> he's right. like yeah 15 years is right on mm -hmm. I too. So. just uh that time on task over time I, I, I do think people let around the nose i think that just i don't know how people are gonna i think people are dumping a whole lot of time on social media that should perhaps be better spent on. I just don't know how the new crowd's going to bear down and get to it if, if what I hear on the news, some sensationalism on the news is like uh, housing crunch, unaffordability. I, I peruse some, um, I peruse some, for some podcasts. Hold on one second, I gotta grab a book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gonna show you that. Yeah, it's not good. I don't think I had the cast last time we spoke. No, it's a cool cast. So this book right here, Johan Hari, Stolen Focus: Why You Can't Pay Attention. Mm -hmm. It's got he's he's a he, he's written some really good stuff, but he does his research, man. He's got some data in here about how much time like an average employee actually spends at work on task. It's gonna blow your mind how and it and it makes sense. I mean, but. 
an hour a day out of a seven hour work day. You know, like I mean, we don't, we're not really focusing on anything. It has to do with the, some of it is social media. Some of it is just the internet. Some of it's our light patterns, our circadian rhythm, just different stuff. But there's, there's a bunch of things that are destroying our productivity and our, and our ability to focus. Um, and the interesting thing though, is somebody did a study on attention just over like the past 150 years. And it's not just, it's not just the social media, or the computers, it's been happening just with technology in general, yeah. with steam engines and, and you know, cotton gins or whatever. Like it's, it's slowly been, and the way they could do that is that he was, he was reading colloquialism, seeing how long words lasted and seeing like, he, anyways, he, he did some metric by what the, the etymology of words how, somehow. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. could tell how long people were holding on to certain themes or certain ideas and they started changing faster and faster and faster. So the, the faster the lexicon changes, he's saying the faster, <laughs> you know, and that makes sense how we're coming up with different stuff today, you know, of, of emojis and dittos and whatever, you know, it, whatever it is. Um, Anyways, I say that to say is like, you know, our, our focus is an asset to be protected and like in our attention is the new currency. I mean, that's what we're doing right now is we're, we're making possible content or we're doing content for ourselves right now. Like Marcus, you are my content right now. You know, like I'm talking to a screen. I wish, but that's what it is. Uh, and, and the longer we look at something, the more likely we are to either buy their product or use their service. That's it. Um, and golly, I mean, it's, he makes a point here is like the three people in the world who you know, Microsoft, Facebook, and it was somebody else, but they've got like the total net worth of like five South American countries. And all they are is they're, they're profiting from, from what's he called it? Uh, surveillance capital. You know, they're watching us building digital footprints, digital profiles about us and selling us junk. And I'm like, dude, did I even want to get into real estate? Or did they just sell me on that? Like they put bigger <laughs> pockets in my head. Yeah. You know, freaking heck, here I am. You know, what would I have been if I'd never gotten a smartphone? You know, probably happy. <laughs> that old question, do you want money? Or you want to be happy? But like, I'll take the money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of like projecting a little bit. Well, I kind of like to pride planes and probably be my generation maintaining this MFers. I sure hope they focus in on airplane maintenance when they're in those class <laughs> in those trade schools. Please, please pay attention. Yeah. But I mean, it takes a fair amount of time on task to get into a house to save up your money from your dead end job to go down and get a loan and do a little fixing on it mm -hmm. but if if that attention is elsewhere building somebody else's dream then that's less time for yourself and that's yeah. my only hope for the future generation i really felt old i've never felt old but then this milestone of 50 is coming up this spring and it's like oh yeah i, mean, <laughs> I fell off a ladder and broke my wrist oh, mm-hmm mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd like to provide a service. I, I think affordable housing is an, a noble-ish endeavor. You can figure out how to 
show people how to not get strung out on, you know, redo something. I think that there's some nobility in, in repurposing a house in a centralish location mm-hmm. um, and making it kind of easier on the environment just through a little bit of strategic thinking. That sounds kind of neat. And it's sad that work is enjoyable. And <laughs> one of the, uh, um, we, me and the kids read The Richest Man in Babylon, and one of the tenants is make work your friend. Mm. So I hope the next generations can not just be total anti work. Yeah. And play into the prognosticator of renter nation and the UBI universal basic income and just throw up their hands and become part of some scenario. Because uh, uh, these types of industry and digital world, they are going to be the new state, even though it's not, they're not going to be ruling conquerors. They, they'll have some amount of control over our minds, at least. They definitely already do. Brave New World, man. There's a book by that name, right? Mm-hmm. And what yeah. is, what, I don't know that book. Oh, I mean, there's the teleprompter on the wall, man. It's uh, Aldous Huxley. And he's like, you know, it's it's this thing is watching us, Big Brother, always happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it tells us what to do. And it gives us news problem. And it's, it's, cre- it's eerily spot on. Um, and when was that book written? Gosh, the, the 50s. Okay. Like Truman Show thing? Or well, yeah. Matrix? Does that does that's that 90, TV control? It's nineteen thirty-two, dude. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's crazy. So there wasn't even TVs on in, in houses yet when he was. It's just insane. So he wrote a story about a screen watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before there were televisions. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, citizens are engineered through artificial wounds. And children are indoctrinated programs into predetermined classes or castes. Uh, Lena Crow, she's a, a a hatchery worker, is is popular and sexually desirable. <laughs> hatchery. A hatchery, oh, yeah. but Bernard Max, a psychologist, is not. He is short in stature, and a member of but a member of a high caste, which gives him an inferiority complex. They was fall in a, love. They was it a successful uh, book? It's one of the best books of all time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, we had required reading, you know, growing up, and, you know, I'm reading that, Lord of the Flies, and everything else, like when that stuff came across the desk. It's the same stuff, though, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just the government and, 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 and big companies eventually become one. You know, they might seem like they're fighting, but they're not. Like, we don't have free 
like, you know, business to do what it wants to do. And I don't know that we really want that. You know, I mean, look what Facebook and what these companies actually do if they just are given complete reign, you know, just do whatever they want to do. Sell our info, collect our info, keep us up at night. Boom. It's nice to think like, yeah, everybody should just have freedom and do whatever they want to do in the business world. It's like, man, those mindless monsters will terrorize us. Like they, they don't care. I think about like pharmaceutical companies, you know, like they just make up medicine, dude. And they're like, oh, this is for to get your blood sugar low. It's like, well, it doesn't really do that, but it'll make you lose all your baby fat. Like, oh, it's a new weight loss drug. They just rename it. They rebrand it. And all of a sudden it's the new Ozempic. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like, dude, it's eating you. It's like yeah, a flesh eating like serum. Why are you putting that in your body? I've got some friends that have done it. They just look like they look horrible. Like, what are you doing? It's a new thing. They do. I think it's like synthesized monitor lizard venom or something like that. It's horrible, dude. I mean, I'm, for some people, I'm sure it has an effect, but some of these people, it's like it's like Schindler's List. My friends, I haven't seen like I haven't seen him in a year. I see him like, what happened to you? Like, oh, I've been on this new stuff, man. It's amazing. You just had to take all one shot in your stomach with a three-inch needle every day. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Pfizer, Did you get, whoever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get rabies? No. I just yeah. gotta... <laughs> like you look good before, you know? Like, no, no, this is better. Um, they just rebrand this stuff and sell it to us and shove it down our throats, you know? No. All right. Well, is that enough for tonight? Did we figure anything out? That was so, awesome. How do you feel about guests? I've, I really like my accountant I, I just as a guy. And he's. Let me ask you, is he doing tax prep or is he doing bookkeeping? He does tax prep. Okay. And y'all are doing all your own house bookkeeping. I know. Yeah. Y'all is not true. Huh? Y'all is not a true statement. It's. Uh, yeah, she's doing it. She's yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing is that we, Rachel needed to get a tax prep person. And and we got one, and then and then we're like, well, let's get him to do the bookkeeping too, and that didn't really work out because they have they got too much stuff going on. Like, and I think I've kind of figured out like tax tax strategists and tax prep people are not bookkeepers. Bookkeepers is extremely menial, tit for tat, get it in QuickBooks, just very very. Um, so anyhow, and that's what you needed. We the we time did. suck of that. We did. Yeah. We needed some new systems. I mean, Rachel's a, a trained bookkeeper, but there's new stuff out there. Like we heard this guy speak, he spoke at Walter's thing and he's like, you know, QuickBooks online now has an app. So you can just take a photo of the receipt and it goes straight to your bookkeeper. He's going to have a virtual assistant. that's going to be coding that stuff. Once he gets everything set up, he's going to have somebody that can just put that in for him. And then he's going to go back over it, reconcile the P and L's, reconcile the balance sheets, give them to us and tell us what's going on. Um, which is great. I mean, if he can pull it off, it's going to be amazing. Um, Mr. Winston's not like that. But I will tell you that I tried to explain it, inherited Roth, and he just said, I don't want to know about that. I mean, he was, I he was nonplussed. He's like, all right, you lost thousands of dollars. So that's, easy to, that's easy to put down. Minus. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying, I mean, he's just, he's got the best, he's just got wisdom. And I think he's just, I don't know, old accountants, they're just kind of interesting, kind of in the same way. They're like, they all seem kind of overworked, 
and a, a certain level of humility mm-hmm. and the opposite of the rock star accountants that we see on the boats. I mean, mm. they're not marketeers. I, I see the marketeer accountant, like the marketeer attorney, mm. you know, just the, the marketing is a profession in itself, but an old school accountant, they're like, they're like, pretty meat and potatoes from what what I've known of him. But I would like to talk to him actually. And just mm-hmm. just wisdom for wisdom's sake that you would not that you couldn't I don't know if he'll do it. I mean might just say no thanks. But when I've got him on the phone a handful of times, it's I just leave the conversation like that. That was a good conversation. But what I makes think, you think of him? Just wise, just wisdom. I mm. think that's that's it. I mean, his, his personal life is. Um, his wife passed a few years ago, mm. and he had some health things going on. And his, have you seen the movie Sing? Sing, Sing? the S I N G. It's animated. Mm. I have kids, so I see mm. it, but. Uh, the main uh, Matthew McConaughey koala is the theater uh, the theater troop uh, leader, but he's got an assistant who's underpaid and overworked, Miss Crawley, mm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, his Mister Winston's assistant uh, is not in super health, but he keeps uh, keeps her employed. Anyway, he's an interesting character, uh, mm-hmm. but I think I'll ask him. I'm sure he'll. I'm kind of sure he'll say no, but. I'm going to ask him. But, I mean, he's the people that he's represented in a legal fashion and an accounting fashion are, to hear him talk, just like high flyers. And I don't think I'll mention any names, but he's represented them in in these certain effects. But uh, I don't know. Do you got anybody you'd like? I mean, Wally would come on. We'd mm. ask him. He might. Nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Is hey, there a crowd? Y'all do it. Y'all do it. Yeah. <laughs> Will yeah, my no. ego be stroked at all? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't really talk to. I mean, I, I love hearing about what people are doing. It, but as far as like that old sage, I don't know. Maybe Leon Johnson. He's he's a guy who likes to who likes to share and is kind of, you, you got to find a guy that's passionate about sharing, you know, that's, that's passionate about kind of passing on the information. I mean, some guys are either, they might be quiet. They might not have the personality for it. It might not just be their thing, but then every now and then you'll meet a guy that's not a salesperson necessarily, but is wants to help. And Leon's one of those guys. He's not really trying to sell anything, but he's always open. He always wants to talk. Um, Scott Britton was like that. Whenever I, whenever he's around, yeah, but he's kind of sure. he's kind of elusive, man. Kind of the for snow sure. leopard. Yeah. But when you get him, he talks. You know, he's, he'll talk. He's not trying to sell you anything, but he'll talk. Um, so there's some guys. Keith Lane keeps like that. He's he's got some good some good insight. You keep up with him. The holidays, we said you know thumbs up and hello, and every mm-hmm. now and then I run an idea by him. Um. Yeah, he'd do something. I got I've got Mike Gunn on the phone a couple of times. It was pleasant. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. He wants to teach. He's good. And he's 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 ridden he's risen to the top. He's you know he he would like to do a deal, but he's not. He doesn't need to get you to buy in. You know that's kind of what you're looking for. Somebody doesn't need the buy in. They're just like yeah, let's talk. Let's talk shop. Let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I've done. And Mike, that's Mike's exactly that. right. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm always interested to talk to guys who have seen like five or six cycles and like what are the patterns or what are the things you've seen over and over and over again. Um, kind of like when we're talking to an old school bookkeeper, it's like just do your books and don't do anything shitty. You know, like if you didn't have a good year, fine, but don't do anything. Don't try to pencil whip the IRS, like pay your taxes, do what you're supposed to do, because all of a sudden that thing turns into this big trouble you know all of a sudden you're doing fed time man trying to get out of it it's like no don't so if it's bad it's a bad year it's a bad year figure it out but most of those guys have gone through bad times and if they're still around they did the right thing not the wrong thing yeah you know? so how comes razor if you're still around yeah so all right well i'm open your thoughts be cool to i mean I enjoy not thinking of like an audience. I mean, that that was actually freeing. And I think I'm more cognizant of like uh, consuming stuff of quality to filter mm -hmm. it into a conversation. Hey, while I've got you on, so what do I need to do to get some some information and you to kind of get some SOPs going for this this sober living thing? Like, what can I jot down? What can I be? No, I would like to ask you. I would like to, I think, putting time on the books and saying, all right, okay. here's step one. And I would, we'll reduce it to a document, I think. Okay. Together. All right. Uh, like a decision tree type thing. Um, for example, um, it actually gives me a little chance to, um, see if this records so coming when you can see it yes see it? yep Emporium uh, Internet Monopoly. That is not the awesomest. Are you in Notion right now? Mm hmm. What was that sound? 
Was that on your end? That was your invite. Yeah. And notion notification. Oh. On your phone? Mm-hmm. But I don't want to do it on my phone. Oh, I, you don't have to. If you have a, you can log in online. Wow. I'm seeing you do that in real time. Yeah. So, I mean, you can add to it too, and I can see real time. So, that kind of thing. And I would go as far as um, we can we can add uh, the the working documents, or you can add a static PDF. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just I think scheduling a couple of those yeah sessions would be fruitful, and it might help concrete your your role as well. Here's the dynamic in New Orleans is this guy. <clears throat> he signed a regular residential long-term lease and he put his girlfriend and moved up from his parents' house and, and added his uh, young girlfriend as not a lease signer, but she was added as a co-resident an approved person to live there and she went and got a bank account and used that address meanwhile their relationship went sideways and multiple police calling and then she forgot to take the keys and went outside and he like okay bye uh we talked about you leaving remember and she was like oh it wasn't today <laughs> and you called the police and said, look at my bank account that has this address. Mm -hmm. And the cops instructed him to let her back in. Mm -hmm. So that would be a problem if somebody went off the program and mm -hmm. said, no, I, my, my bank statement says I live here. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be a problem for your organization? Or Absolutely, yeah. How is it not a problem for you? How have you solved that potential issue? 
live, we live with the risk. I mean, it, you know, a, a more domestic, you know, lover's quarrel or somebody who's actually living in a house is a, is a little different. We've had people who didn't want to leave and I know we're going to have more people that don't want to leave and we've got, you know, plans for it, how to get them out. But I mean, when crazy comes, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's definitely, you know, keep some like uh, scraps of carpet to roll them up in and duct tape. And so right now our, our plan is to get them out of the house as quickly as possible. And like, okay. Hey, let's get you out of the house. we got to, you know, you don't need to be here. Let's take you to a friend's house. Let's take you to the hospital. Let's take you some, let's just ride around and smoke cigarettes and talk, but you got to get out of here because these people are sober and you, and you're not. So that's, that's the main thing. So public uh, shaming is, uh, no, no public shaming, but even like a cash for keys, like, hey, let me get you a hotel room. You know, you, you don't want to be here, but try to use our sales persuasion techniques to talk them out. But so, hey, I, you interview them properly and kind of get some interview. Let, don't let the wrong person in and try to project. Oh, we don't have, we don't have professional tent. I mean, when these people come in, man, they're broken and they're, they're normally eager to, to find a safe place. They want to keep their head down and get sober. You know, like you can see that about them. Like they're, the first couple of days, they're they're into it, man. You know, it's a week later or a month later, they might mess up. And most people, if you're messing up, you don't want to be around a bunch of people that are trying to do right. I mean, most of them wean themselves out. You know, it's not like they're trying to stay in this this place. Most of them that, that do want to stay when they're doing wrong and might give you trouble, it's just because they're scared. They don't know what to do. So, you know, we've got, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to get you back into treatment. So we've got lots of different things that we're trying to do, but it's very rare that we're going to have somebody that's like, no, I want to stay here and I want to get high. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's just not really going to, they don't want, they don't want to do that either. And that's because we, we stay on top of the houses, you know, like the majority of people want to, want to do the deal. Um, but, but that guy who kicked his girlfriend out and she had you know, either clothes in the closet or mail saying that was her address. That's what she's supposed to do. He can't just put her. I mean, she's a tenant, you know, she lives, even if she's not on a lease, you know, she's supposed to be, no one should just get thrown out because he's ready for her to go. You know, that's, that's not cool. Um, and we're the same way. Like we can't just throw people out, we, we, but we can, we can diplomatically figure those things out. Whether it's get into a family's house, hell, I'll go buy them a crack hotel. If they want to smoke crack, I know some crack hotels, you know, for 50 bucks a night, I could put, I could set you up, man. And if, and if it's, if it's the safety of the rest of the tenants, I'll float that bill. I'm cool with that, but I'm going to get all your mail and all your clothes and I'm going to throw them in, in there with you in the Mustang hotel, you know? <laughs> so. Why is that the perfect thing for a crack hotel? Because <laughs> it's real. I it's say it's real. Mustang. <laughs> or you say it's a Mustang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So all that is worth the extra dough. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably gonna be one out of one out of fifty is gonna give you trouble. And probably only one out of five of those are gonna really know how to professionally play you, you yes. know. So is your bullshit meter pretty strong? Yeah. A little bit gullible. No, man, I don't do anything. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> I mean, one, to, the ride act's got to be pretty close to our, our, trust our, and verify that type of thing. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, we've got, I'm not really even talking to most of these guys, you know, we've got house managers and we've got, and then Chris and Rachel are doing a lot of stuff, but normally in this, in this arena, the troublemakers expose themselves pretty quickly because that's why they got in the situation they're in. They mm -hmm. couldn't contain themselves. They couldn't control themselves. And so it's like, it Not normally obvious. just, it gets Sometimes. so bad. Yeah. And they normally just self cull. They, they take themselves out. That's how they got in treatment. So they got in jail. Like they didn't get, they didn't get in jail because they got thrown out of a sober living house. They got in jail because they went like, I'm going to jail. You know, we do some stupid shit, you know, like, so they, they normally take themselves out. They really do. Um, I did invite that guy. I don't think that Great Falls, middle of nowhere, things going to work. But I did reach out to that guy with that recovery center in Great Falls. Yeah. And he came over. And he said, you know, he's um, dropping the God bombs. You know, it's a, I was in church, you know, just praying. And then you called that kind of, kind of deal. But he's he last April bought that commercial building, which he's listed on Google business and he just is trying to properly get the utilities and AC and electric permits and is running into some problems with the city with uh, compliance. But uh, he talks about uh, having customers. But what I'm trying to tell you is that he wants to arbitrage this. He wants to pay market rent and run his business through it, which I don't, I don't know that that's going to be, I don't think that's the right house for location. Might be the right house. I don't think it's the right location, which I think is real important. I think mm -hmm. Rod is the place. They got some men's centers. So he didn't have a treatment center. Who you called wasn't a treatment center. It was a guy who aspires to, to do some sort of treatment sober living place, but it wasn't an up and running concern. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I think on, you had that on, on the, the, the decision tree. You know, the first thing, ID local customers. You know, we, we want to find out, you know, who are these people who are putting, who are creating, making people who are going out wanting to be sober. They're treatment centers that are up and going and trying to stay away from the religious stuff. Like anything that's super, super religious -y, they, they they've probably drank some kind of Kool-Aid that you might not be able to get out of their system. You're trying to find people that are just like, I'm trying to get reassimilated into society and I have no other evangelical or whatever concern. Um those places that are super and they're, they're good places that mean well, but there's, there's different hooks in there. You're mm -hmm. trying to find us a straight up we're drug and alcohol center. We give people 30, 60, 90 days, whatever. And then we'll help them trying to find sober living. They're going to be much more business friendly and not, what are you about? Let me, let's kumbaya this thing, you know? So they got a little money and they're, they're sincere about recovery. They might have family money until they can kind of figure it out and start getting some water over their gills and go forward and put in a job at. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the treatment centers even pay some, like sometimes it's part of it. Like they're going to, they're going to give them what they'll find. You could work out something where they might, they might pay for the first month. You know, that the insurance could pay for it. And you could talk to either a counselor or intake person, just, just start calling them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm starting a sober living house. You know, how many people are y'all looking to be in this area? Are y'all looking for, are you looking for beds or houses here? Is um, that step one? Absolutely. Yeah. And then finding, and then, and then step one, part B is calling other sober living houses and finding out what they're charging. So now like, okay, I know how many people are, are looking for beds. I know where they're kind of going and I know what the market rent is. And then drive by those sober living houses, like find a, Hey, so I'm looking for compare. 
Yeah, I mean, you might do some secret shopper shit. Like, hey, I'm, my, my daughter's looking for, my, my sister's looking for sober living. Can you tell me more about it? You know, just just to get get in the, get the info. You know, where are you located? What do you cost? Bedtime. Rachel's outside whistling for the cat. Are you okay? Whistling for the cat? I know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Olive. Um, that's why they mean the Hellcat. But but I could do that for you, man. Or we could do or we could do co calls if there was a way you wanted to record those. I'd be happy because I know a little bit of the jargon. Yeah, hell um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you could brain dump just on that page. What I what I just created from your eyes. Yeah. You have access to it. Yeah. Do you have such a document for your operation? No. What, what, what kind of document? What I just what, what is documents you talk about? <laughs> document of business. <laughs> but if if you replace yourself, could you hand off a manual and say, "Here's how you do so it." So right here, we've I've got a signing packet. I've got we've got like twenty different things that we distilled down into like five different documents. One's a lease. One's liability waivers, drug screenings. You know, permission to speak to counselors and probation officers, that kind of stuff. You know. Um, but as far as like how to ID local, you know, customers outreach, no. Uh, setting up property, how to furnish a, a property, no. No, we don't have it. We don't have anything. I mean, that's all just. But you're learning. I mean, you got some knowledge just Absolutely. by doing it. Yeah. So yeah, like Rachel the other day bought these dressers that were just like they weren't even dressers. They were just like plastic, rubber made. They look. They look like really fancy cupboard stuff but they're just perfect so like if people spill drinks on it because we were getting cheap stuff off amazon and it was like the fiberboard stuff or the cloth stuff just falling apart it's like finding different furnishings that are work and be kind of like that's that is a thing that that works well um but then again that's that's our certain house like i don't know you know if, if you find these places that are like yeah I man we're cranking out you know we've got five or six professional people that are getting out every you know every month that need a place you might have a completely different product you know you might need to have like one king size bed in each room for three thousand bucks a room and that's why talking to treatment centers are talking like it's so necessary like what who, who do y'all have what do y'all who, who's coming out of there what's the client base look like what do y'all need um, so if you recognize a need when so is arbitrage even part of your thought processes right now I think we'll have to eventually, yeah. I can't. I won't be able to get the inventory that I necessarily want without arbitraging. I mean, I just can't afford it. Yeah, you you that'll be a choke point. Yeah. Once you figure you dial it in, there's just not enough inventory, and even the inventory that I can find sometimes turns into a three or six month lag because I got to fix it up. It's like that's just that's a choke point. Like, okay, I found the house, but I got to find the fixer uppers. It's like that just whereas finding a house that's up and running and rent ready, you know, they want eighteen hundred bucks a month for it, but I can but I can make forty two hundred bucks a month. Like that's arbitrageable for sure. So I brought it up to my foreman, my recent guy. He said that's a damn good idea. I was in one. He was at a low point in his life, and he checked himself into it. Paid one hundred fifty a week. Yeah, cool. And he so he's a success story. Six months, and then like one day when when nothing would go with 
a set of chicken, a plate of chicken wings, except a quarter light. He came back and told on himself, and he said, I'll pack up my stuff. And they say, well, I mean, tomorrow or the next day, he'd be just fine. But he said it was a positive experience. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see, man. Guys get their lives back together. And some of these girls, dude, like we've got, we got a house that's got 10 beds in it with women. It's all girls in this house. And like half of them are there for like 30 to 90 days as regulated by some sort of government, whether it's a probation officer, drug court, or judge. They've got to be there for a certain number of days to get their kids back. And dude, the fervor, the willingness, like like what they're about, like, I mean, it's Linus fighting for her cubs, man. Like it's real deal stuff. It's not some kid trying to get over on you because they want to smoke cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? No, this is a mom trying to get her freaking family back. Yeah, yeah. And like to see them do the deal, man, it's just, it's awesome, dude. And it's like 90 days, like I'm going home. We're like, we're high five and we're like, yeah, go get your kids, go get your life back. You know, like it's, it's amazing. It's not, and we're not like, oh my God, we lost a tenant. You know, we missed a bet. Like, forget it. No, there's, because for every mom that succeeds, man, there's 10 that are dying to find a place like that. You know, it's like, in fact, we had a guy tell us, he's like, if you're doing that lower income stuff, like the six, $700 a month stuff, like your, your business is endless. Like, cause nobody does that stuff. Really? Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. And you're experiencing it currently. We are, but then again, we're not making the kind of money. I mean, like we have a lot of overhead and I'm not really sure how it's going to pan out. Like whenever I want to hire a peer support specialist, I want to have people in the house. I think you can have just like a property manager. I think a property manager can manage like 40 houses. I think we can get a peer support specialist that could manage like 50 beds. And if I want to get a hundred beds, that means I'd have 50 per peer support specialist. And that person would really take an active role in the residents' lives, you know, they're making sure that their work's going well. They're making sure their time. A leader, a mentor. Uh, yeah, a real, you know, are like you paying? breaks out their chart and said, "Well, you said you wanted to be here, and how you progressing? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Not just are you paying your rent, but why? Are, why are you having a hard time? Like, what do you need to find a job? Is, is this happening? Is you having health stuff? Um. So yeah, I. I it, I mean, I, I think once that were to get going, I know there's a net profit, but I don't know what that's going to be right now. Just like everything else, we're doing it all. Why um, wouldn't this work for the boomer crowd that's going to age out? I mean, I think that I think that rodeo, I think that car, that circus is definitely in town. There's people who are selling that man, the assisted living thing, the co-living thing for I, I, I think there's a there's a. There's somebody else on a Zoom call right now that's talking about just that for sure. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard some data about the whole concern about the silver tsunami is just like it's not quite playing. It might not play out like they're thinking it's going to play out. No, they're not going to move unless they have to. Right. Some, some, some aren't going to incur the expense because houses paid for and yeah, they're just going to fall downstairs one day, but they're until that day happens. Yeah. That's a wrap. They're not doing anything. But I mean, I think, I think the co-living, whether it's, there's a, there's a color of, you know, assisted living or sober living or transitional living or whatever. There's a lot of different things. There's a lot of, there's just, there's a bunch of opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. This is just something that with, with mine and Rachel's past, it just makes sense. 
Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not having to be phony about it. I'm not having to learn about it. It's like, I know this, like I get it. I've done it. I've lived it. Okay. Let's do it. Um, which makes all the difference, you know, like, yeah, I just, uh, I know you've got a passion about it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to enter in it the wrong way and not have it succeed just because I didn't, I like to provide a service and I, and I do care about people and I'm not all about the money. So I just wondered if it would be a fit. I definitely think it's a fit for sure. I don't, I don't have, that doesn't have to be part of my history to go forward with it. Mm -mm, no. No, in fact, so this 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 lady from Bellhaven, she uh, a conservative Christian. She just wrote this book called Curious, and the book yeah. is a it, the book is about um she was she became a foster parent and she she was raising kids. The, the church and different people were were sending to her. She started doing this thing and she started she started figuring out some of these backgrounds about these mothers' lives that she was of these foster kids, and kind of realized that the system. Uh, for for how we handle drug drug abuse and drug addiction and drug charges, we're actually making her life worse by creating more kids that need to be fostered. So that was kind of her inlet into this. So she took this like completely like new wave liberal like stance in this concern. Like she was like she's a conservative Christian that looks like looks through all this BS and was like, this is messed up. Like we're making these these people's lives worse because we're breaking families apart. And so she wrote this book called Curious that was inspired by Johan Hari wrote another book called Chasing the Scream. And it's about how the war on drugs has failed and how nice. legalization like prohibition is is really, really bad. It's what creates the cartel. It's what's creating the crisis at the border. The yeah. Prohibition created the gangsters and alcoholism. And now the same thing's happening today. And it's horrible. Um so anyway, she was she was talking about the same side of the coin from a different perspective. My point is, is that she's not a drug addict. She's not in recovery. She's somebody that can see the, what's really going on. And so it does. You don't have to have like, oh, this is my story. We just need the participant to really understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To have empathy, to have true like, oh, I I see. I, and I might not be a a criminal or a drug addict or on probation, but I get what's happening here. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I have a solution. So that's right. the important thing. The pain, pain clinics, the bad guys. Are pain clinics, the bad guys. Yeah. I don't think there are any bad guys. I mean, it's all, everybody thinks trying to do the best they can. I mean, I think there's a use for everything at a certain time. Um, so I mean, even the, even the cops. I mean, like the bad guys. I don't know that anybody's bad. I see. I just watched that uh, thing on OxyContin. Those the the drug maker that flushed it out and got it through FDA approval and all that. Did you watch okay. that? There's, there's some bad guys. Yeah, I mean, those guys are you know the pirates, man. The Sackler, the Sackler type. Sackler, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch yeah. that? Ferris uh, mm -hmm. Bueller was Sackler. Yeah. That was that was a pretty. Powerful I mean, even, uh, emotion, emotive movie. Yeah. Even those things that like going back to what we were start just talking about, about you know, government and big companies, you know, change the whole course of entire cities. I mean, some of that stuff's just like huge. You know, 
there's big plays happening, man. There's big stuff happening. And yeah, that's, that's part of that. But as far as like individual players or bad kind of things, I mean, everything's got, I think got a place. I mean, you can't get rid of pain medication. I mean, like, I don't know if you had anything or need anything for your wrist. That's the one thing that I think doctors can do. They can get rid of pain. Yeah. There's a lot that people don't know about the body, but they can treat pain. So, yeah. Um, and in his book, Chasing the Scream, he talks a little bit about like how a lot of people, they want to, they want to, they want to bring about prohibition because they think like intoxication is unnatural or just bad. But there's this one researcher who goes out, he looks in nature for like animals that get intoxicated. And lo and behold, elephants eat rotten fruit. Yeah. On the riverbanks. Getting high as a kite. There's a bunch of animals that do different things. And then, and it even talks about as kids, you know, we would spin on baseball bats, you know, and get dizzy just to have a different perspective. I mean, like there's this thing that we Indians and, and different cultures have always done different things to have different experiences. So it's, it's once more, it's like, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, I overused it. You know, I did it on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. I mean, I used to say like, if I could smoke crack successfully, I'd do it every day, you know, <laughs> like it'd be awesome. But, but it's not, you know, it might've had a place if it just didn't hit my addictive personality. You talked it last time as underlying uh, trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, are the pain clinics bad? I mean, I've seen some people that do really, really well on that regulated kind of doled out medication. And if it keeps them alive for a little longer until they can make a chance, make a choice yeah. to do something different, go for it. You know, got it. Got it. cool. In fact, you'll have that. You'll have people that the year have to decide, are you going to do MAT, which is medically assisted treatment, or are you going to be stone cold sober? So like, we allow people to stay in our houses on Suboxone. Um, and I would recommend if you're trying to do this thing, you probably need to, you need to be open to that idea. Um, I saw my cousin, man. So I've been, I had a stalking he? horse. He's alive. Yeah. And I don't know exactly. I, I reach out on a few times a year. I've seen him keeping a job. I don't know if he's transferred from that, that environment mm-hmm. to an apartment or not. I don't know. But I see a relationship, and I see him being thankful. Good. So that guy from from when he was seven, you heard through the grapevine that he's talking about hurting himself. I mean, it just it's been from the jump. Mm. I don't know. It was. I mean, it had to be parents breaking up and and that, but both of his parents killed themselves behind some chemicals. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, that's probably where you got some guidance. Anywho. Yeah. It's like, the, it's like the, the, the nurture versus nature is like, she got both dude, you know, it's obviously in the DNA and he got taught it, you know, like the, the hands he was dealt were not going to be uh, really, really good. So, well, good, man. I, I, you know, I'd forgotten. What was this? Anyways, I'd forgotten that we had gone through that. Um, and we had it was, uh, it was fentanyl. He got, he got, uh, he blinked out in traffic and got hit with Narcon. If I'm saying it right, a couple yeah. times on, on the scene. I still got, I, I took a picture of him in the bed. I didn't think I was going to see him after that. Mm-hmm. I thought this was the last time I seen him. Yeah. <clears throat> and his wife had stayed with him. 
but that was a bridge too far. She's like, I'm not visiting you in the hospital. That's yeah. it. Which is understandable, but from the outside, it looks a little harsh. You don't want to prop him back up before you split. I guess it was easier when he was unconscious to take the keys right. back. Yeah. Well, cool. I'll put some. I'll put some bandwidth in to get helping uh, figure out what we can do to get some SOPs going. I'd love some um, talking about what what I need to do to get these things kind of documented to hand off, or at least to. I don't know if that's a three ring binder. I don't know what it looks like. I have no. Just, I don't know if it's an operating. Just manual. put it there. You can attach. You can attach PDFs or yeah. whatever on that. And then, I don't know if you want to, but you can, you can publish it just with a click of a button, and share it with whoever you want to. It's not going to—I mean, people surfing the nets aren't going to find it. You have to supply them with a link. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have anybody to share it to right now, unless you're starting a class. Mm -mm. But if you get big into the arbitrage, I mean, you can say, "I'm Mister, I'm Mister So We're Living." You got a property that would work. Here's you're going to be my partner in Idaho, Cali, Arizona. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. You think you solve a problem. Yeah. And to scale it, you just need people and capital. You've got the playbook. All right, I'm going to hit the hay. The Thanks brains. for everything. All right, brother. I'll see you later All on. All right. Good night. Bye.